Welcome to The Scoop, the Southern California Underground Utility Partnership, where we talk about everything utilities with industry pros. Hear from the experts about breaking into the industry, learn from their experiences, and get the inside scoop. I'm your host, Ruben Murillo. What's The Scoop? Hello. Today we are with Peter Kaczynski. Peter's coming to us from the Association of California Water Agencies Joint Powers Insurance Authority. Go ahead and say that 10 times real quick. Also, today we have special co-host John Moore with Elsinore Valley Municipal Water District. John is the safety officer at EVMWD. He's here today to help me tackle this interview with Peter Kaczynski. Peter, how's it going? It's going great, Ruben. Thanks for inviting me. Good. Great to have you, Peter. So, again, we, I really appreciate you doing this for us. Again, you know, being a giant in the industry, I think, is, you know, is going to do a lot, you know, for us and help us reach a lot of the people that we're trying to get to. So, again, you've got your hands in, you know, all facets of the industry. You know, we're sometimes, you know, guys like myself, I'm just, you know, pigeonholed to just the construction side. We got wastewater, we got everything, but you deal with everybody in the industry. So I think it's going to be a great thing, you know, having you on and putting this out. So thank you again for, for joining us coming up. Oh, thank you. That's a very nice compliment. Cool. All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, this section of uh, the questioning is called What's the Scoop? So, Peter, how did you get into risk and safety as a career? Uh, that's actually a pretty interesting story. I did not start in risk and safety. I don't, I'm not sure very many people start in risk and safety. I mean, I, I know there's a few dedicated professionals that go to school for it, but I actually started with a construction background. So I was working in heavy construction, doing uh, land development, grading, uh, infrastructure. Uh, I worked for a uh, builder that would put in the super pads and for the housing developments. And so I did that for about 10 years with them, working in the field as a project manager. And then one day they had a meeting and they said, you know what? We need somebody to go into risk and safety. And at the time, I had the least seniority. And they basically, out of five project managers, they said, okay, Kuczynski, you're doing it. And um, that's the way it worked. I, I basically did it. And uh, I told them I didn't know anything about safety. And at that time, my opinion was, well, safety just slows the job down. And they go like, well, it doesn't work that way. Um, and uh, you went to school, and you can learn. So um, I actually did go to back to school. I went to the OSHA Institute down in San Diego at the time and um, got really smart really fast. And um, that started my career, and that was about in 94. And uh, that lasted for about another 10 years until I found Aqua JPIA, and I got hired on as a, a risk advisor for them at that time. And it's nice. been great ever since. Yeah, very cool. Excellent. And, and Peter, just for our listeners, can you go ahead and uh, explain what OSHA is, please? OSHA. OSHA is the, well, actually in California, we deal with Cal OSHA, California OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Excellent. Thank you. No problem. All right. And Peter, based on your experience, what, what exactly is a lead control risk advisor? What, what do you do? Okay, well, lead is just um, just means that I'm a, I'm a senior. You know, at different water agencies and wastewater agencies, they have different positions, so it just puts me in that lead position. Um, means I've spent a lot more time and I have a lot of seniority. <laughs> um, but as a risk advisor, our job is to be a second set of eyes and ears 
for our member agencies. Aqua JPIA has uh, almost 400 member agencies and they're all water and wastewater related throughout the state of California. So I have districts that have three and I have districts that have close to 300 employees. So I mean, it, it goes, so you see the whole gambit as you go across there. But you know, we basically, they all have exposures mm -hmm. and our job is to help them identify those exposures. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees, you're going so fast. Uh, we look at their loss runs mm -hmm. and we come out there and we're not, um, we're more of a conscience and we kind of guide them like, you know, toward best practices. We, we are not enforcement when it comes down to it. We're not Cal OSHA enforcement. We're, we're more that, hey, you know, what can we do to help our agencies? And, and one thing that, that I'd like to point out is that you are a huge resource. Obviously, Elsinore Valley uses you uh, almost constantly. The safety officer there uh, is weighs heavily on your opinion at times. So uh, from one professional to the next, I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, one thing I'd like to add is, you know, I'd like to take personal credit for it, but it's a team. Um, there's six risk advisors that work for Aqua JPIA, and each one is a valued resource with all their members. And what makes it very unique for um, Aqua JPIA is we're assigned our member agencies. Mm -hmm. So for the last 18 years, I've been serving the needs of Elsinore Valley. Um, of Rancho California. So I get to know their staff. I get to know their people. I get to know their operations. So we kind of grow and partner together. So it's not like, you're, hey, you're one and done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's uh, while they say that, you know, I've been in, the, I did private before I got into this industry. I've been here 14 and a half years. And yeah, you were pretty much all that, you know, <laughs> I've known, you know, as far as the safety. And like John said, to where we look for, you know, for that guidance. So again, uh, really cool, you know, again, having you up here with us. So being able to come full circle and sit down and do this, have this conversation with you. Uh, Peter, what are important skills in risk management? Um, you know, like analytical skills, organizational communication. So our job is really unique. Like I said, we're kind of the eyes and ears and we're the front line with our member agencies. I mean, there's there's over 50 people that work for the Aqua JPIA. Most of them are based out of Roseville, but there's six of us who are given territories. Mm -hmm. And so we basically have to have a very good work ethic. Um, we have to set our own schedules. We, um, we don't have a manager watching over us. Um, we do communicate even before um, COVID and everything. Ever since I started, there was always a weekly call-in on Mondays. We would call in, we do our toolbox, we talk about our schedules, uh, and we go out there, but we set it in advance. I mean, I just don't show up at an agency and say, let's do training today. <laughs> it's something that's scheduled and coordinated. If it's a, a risk assessment, it's something that we bring in the management team and the people who have to be there. So you have to be very organized. You have to be very thoughtful of people's times. You also have to be able to listen because I may have one agenda, but they may have other issues so I have to be able to um, be flexible on the issues it's not like I have a set script that I have to meet it's what is going to reduce the losses and exposure for that agency what do they need at that time and even though a lot of the agencies have very similar operations they have very different needs at different times yeah very cool based on where you're coming from Peter do you was that something that you always had as far as the, the freedom to make your own schedule or, or has that changed over the last 18 years? How has the, the job market changed for, for Aqua, JPA, and, and you and your position? 
When I was hired by Aqua JPIA, they were moving from a compliance model to a consulting model. Okay. Um, at the time, there was a time, and there are some people who still remember that, you know, we weren't welcomed into agencies mm -hmm. because we would write a big, like, you're not doing things very well. Understood. Uh, you know, you're Understood. not doing things very well. And we would point out all the problems. And the thing is, is um, I had a boss at that time who said, you know what, if when you really look at it, they do about 99% of what they do, they do right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 1% they could be better at. Got so, it. I mean, why are we always going in and trying to find out what they do wrong? You know, why don't we find out what they really need help on Got and it. how they want to make it better? So they'll invite us in and be that way and not be afraid. So, mm -hmm. you know, we basically went from, well, why are you here? What do you want to look at? Versus like, hey, can I show you? I, I really want to do that. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, being a resource. Most definitely, yes. I, I think it's great when somebody picks up the phone and calls me or mm. sends me a picture and says, hey, can you look at this? Can you, you know? And they're not afraid. They're <laughs> right. not afraid. Right. They're, they're letting down their shields. They're being vulnerable because they see us as part of their staff mm -hmm. and how we can help them. That's perfect. And. Peter, as far as your profession, right, being a safety professional and, and getting all the certifications, we know that there is a common, uh, I guess, uh, misconception or a belief held in the industry. Uh, what exactly is that for you? What 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 drives you nuts as far as when people say, oh, you're just a safety professional because... I learned that best in construction. When mm -hmm. I moved from construction to safety, was that was really oh the safety guys here yeah you know and yeah. they would see you i mean and then sometimes <laughs> they do it really on you know in uh, private construction i mean i got the orange truck okay you know, i right. got i, I got and we've all seen them on the freeway going yeah. down yeah. where the yellow and orange truck and it says safety officer and when they saw me pull up on a job site everybody corrected their behavior there you go you right know? and so i quickly had to adapt that they I mean they were hiding from me mm -hmm. they were hiding or covering things up and they're really good at distracting you know they can they can show you things as you went through there so you had to get to really know the people and ask them what their problems were or what mm -hmm. they were having done and and what they what they couldn't do and, and so instead of like, well, why can't I do it? It's like, how can I do it? So, I you know, so I had to get, and I thought having that construction background to where I had faced some of those issues that I was able to say, okay, you know what, this is how we do it. So go. it's just like the training we do now. Um, we can follow the regulations mm -hmm. and make it really boring, mm -hmm. or we can really cover the best practices. So like in confined space, you know, have you tested the air? Mm -hmm. Have you ventilated the space? Have you classified it based on the conditions of the space? Do you have somebody outside who's watching your back? Right. And then based on the classification, you may need a couple people in reserve, which is the rescue team on a full right. permit. And have you planned for rescue, which means have you practiced it? You do those five things, you've met the intent of the regulations. There you know? you go. And then you say, well, what does it really take? You know, and they do it, and they go like, "Okay, you've made it really simple." And that's that's an important part because oftentimes people find safety is is the the time sucker, right? Like mm -hmm. that's gonna go ahead and make my job twice as long. That's why I don't want to do it. I'm just gonna go ahead and just get in there, and I'm just gonna jump in the hole and turn the valve versus you know doing the proper steps. And and we, I mean, all the other consultants I work with, we come from a diverse background as mm -hmm. far as experience. 
experience and we come from different industries, but we also realize that people have to get the job done. I see. And you can't have a six-page uh, trench inspection form. <laughs> it has to be one page mm -hmm. that is easy to read, that they can check the boxes, and these are things that they can they understand right. and they know that's important. So it's basically, because if you look at the regulations, they cover everything from A to Z. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, is this really important? So what we try to do working with our member agencies is figure out what the biggest exposures are and are you putting the odds in your favor? Yeah. Excellent. And you know, it's, it's funny, we, we talked about that is, uh, I, you know, I came from the private side, so I, I coming here was completely different because in the private side, you know, they, they will, they will, the commit time to, to to showing you how to work around the system rather than just you know use that time to show you how to do it right you know so when I got here it was you know complete you know 360 years you know from what we were doing do there. it right so, the first yeah, time sure. right there yep. you go yeah it's good so it's pretty wild or you get the whistles as you come onto the job site <laughs> yeah. the safety guys yeah here, right you start hearing guys yeah. Yeah. oh yeah they, yeah believe me all they did, we did it all. Yeah. Uh, Peter, really quick, what, what are the job requirements for a lead risk control advisor? Education, experience, certification? So I you know you mentioned you went to the institute down in San Diego, but what are some of the things that you have had you know, to, to go through or, or to get? Or? So there's lots of different paths. Mm -hmm. Some of the best safety people I work with in the industry that work for our member agencies don't come up through a formal education. Yeah. Sometimes I think people who come into it from a formal education um, don't have, they don't start asking like, well, why are they doing that and how do they do it? They come in and they're, they're regulation heavy. Um, so, you know, you, you, so it's really good that you have that background and you understand how people work and some of those job and business demands that go on because it is a balancing act. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing, this thing, some people will say, hey, is safety number one? You know, and everybody goes like, safety is number one. Safety isn't number one. Safety has an equal footing with three other things. So you have, you've got to have production. You've got to have a schedule. You've got to have a budget. You've got quality and then you have safety. And all those are in the bucket. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, you have to push up production, um, that's usually at the cost of safety or, you know, quality because you're going too fast and you're not allowing proper cure times or things like that. So the thing is, is that people need to, you know, think about it. It's like, what do you want to accomplish that day? We can all accomplish it, yeah. but, you know, hey, you want to go for a lower quality, we can get a cheaper price, <laughs> uh, but is that what you want in the long term? Because you may have a lot of customer service issues. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with safety, you know, and safety seems to be that it's not as tangible so it's sometimes it's like, well, and we don't see the result of it. So it's like, okay, we'll just skip safety. And that's what, you know, happens. So, you know, it's really important that people know um, that it's a balancing act. So I think when people come in there and they're working with member agencies, they understand all those demands. Mm -hmm. And safety isn't, you know, what they do all the time. It is part of their operations. And how do you make it a priority? And when you take it as far as like, you know, we represent their insurance. When you think about their budget, 
I mean, we're probably less than 1% of their budget. So when it comes down to a big dollar item, they don't really think of us as being like, well, you take up a lot of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something, isn't that what we have insurance for? Yeah. But as soon as they have a loss, they call us. Yeah, immediately, and they say, right? man, what did they have? Or their experience modification goes up. Yes, sir. Because they had a number of losses and they weren't taking care of it, and now they want to know why they're paying $100,000 more a year for insurance. Right. And they're going to pay it for the next three years. Yeah. All of a sudden, they want to talk to you. It's like, hey, I need you. It's like, well, you understand. This, this is something you already put in place. Yeah, it, it kind of stays with you for a while. Yeah, makes oh, sense. Yeah. So, Peter, how do you stay up to date with the ever-changing rules and regulations, not only from Cal OSHA, but whether it's CDC or, or uh, you know, the National Electrical Code, all the different organizations that kind of govern our, our standards out there as, as safety professionals? How do you self-educate? How do you stay up to date? Well. Um, if you looked at my inbox every morning, there are probably 20 um, from various organizations that come in. And, and so what I do is I set aside time to make sure I read those, you know, at least scan what the headlines are. And is it something that affects our industry or is it something I have to be aware of? And then I will read. I read a lot okay. um, as I go through there. One of the best resources that I have found over the years is the Cal OSHA Reporter. Excellent. I mean, it's a, a thing that comes out every week. Okay. They have articles, timely articles. They, uh, they talk about fatalities. And sometimes I will send those out. It, it comes out on Friday. Mm -hmm. And I also find out that by being um, involved and reading those articles and sending them out, you also get feedback. Because I'll send them out through um, like WISMA, which is the Water Utility Safety Managers Association. Okay. And I'll send it out, and then I'll get like four questions about that. And I'll say, hey, did you know? And then people start doing that, and they go, how can we prevent that? Good. You know, do Good. you have any ideas? And so it starts that conversation. There you go. Um, I read a lot of trade publications. Uh, one thing that JPIA does is they are very supportive of professional development. Excellent. So not only do they want you to have safety certifications, um, but they actually reimbursed me for having my treatment certificate, my distribution, my wastewater uh, <laughs> certificate. All right. They let All us right. attend the Dig Alert events, the AWWA conferences, the CWEA conferences. So we see all kinds of things there. So you talk to different people. I talk to vendors that have the vacuum trucks and we talk about the safety issues. Mm -hmm. uh, recently I was at a district and they said, oh, they, they bought a new vacuum truck. And I said, well, have you talked about the grounding of it? Have you <laughs> talked about, like, and they have a, a rubber boot that goes over the teeth that you're supposed to use on there uh -huh. and because they drive it in to hit the lines and everything. And they're going like, uh, that's one of the first things we took off. And I'm going like, you know, that's on there for a reason, you know? And they're going like, you know, and they go like, well, we, nobody really told us what it was. And I was telling them that those teeth will cut into a gas line, they'll cut into an electric line. Wow. You know, so, you know, and they're going like, wow, nobody ever told us that. Well, some of that I found out from the vendors. And they have the the horror stories of things that have gone wrong mm. um, when they hold back the uh, dead man switch because mm -hmm. a lot of times they have a release switch so if something happens to the operator 
they they let go of it and the vacuum stops sucking. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times for efficiency, getting that production done that we were talking about earlier, they let that go, you know, and they, they wire it back because they think they, they can do two things at once and all of a sudden, you know, they fall and that hose is flipping around and then it grabs onto the side of the face and sucks their face off. Shortcuts, you know, right? It, it, <laughs> and it's just it's it's just, you know, not knowing the reason behind why some of these devices are on. They're not they're not there to make the job harder. They're there because ultimately somebody paid the price. Understood. Mm -hmm. Peter, is there a project or implementation that you've been a part of or even created on your own that you're most proud of? Wow. Um, for the JPIA, um, we have a number of them. And again, you know, I want to give credit to the whole team. Uh, we have the risk control manual on our website. It's 27 sections with over 150 resources. And most of them are practical and they're directly related to the water wastewater. And they are risk and safety and they are, um, they're not PDFs, they're not protected, they're not password protected. They're, they're Word documents that, you know, we've done our best. They probably get you about 80% there. And with a little wordsmithing and massaging and making it specific to your agency, you've got something that is like grab and go. Mm -hmm. uh, a complement to that is at a higher level for the management level, it would be the commitment to excellence documents. So then what we did is we took our biggest loss drivers. We took vehicle accidents, we took infrastructure, we took construction, we took ergonomics, we took employment practices. And we said, look, if you do these simple practices, you will not have big claims, or at least you've redone, the, and again, here's programs, here's documents, here's links to things that work, yeah, that right. you can do that. So um, along with that, the JPIA, and a lot of these, you know, they're Aqua JPIA programs, but I'm proud that they started in risk control or risk management. Uh, the safety award program, the Harvla Bounty Safety Award program that your agency has participated in in the past is go through there. And then we actually have a $10,000 grant program that we started, again, to support sustainable, you know, things that are gonna be engineering uh, items out to make districts. So we help support like wildfire prevention, uh, employment practices, emergency response, those things that, you know, a lot of times, and $10,000 doesn't seem like a lot, but it's funny, it becomes the seed money, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, yeah, and, and it starts it. So yeah. um, those are the four things that I would say are really great that, you know, yeah. I'm really proud of and haven't been, you know, had my fingers in the pie on all of them. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. Awesome. And I, I certainly can attest that, that that risk control manual comes in handy quite often, especially when, uh, you know, you're, you're coming across new policies yeah. or new, um, you know, hazards that are out there and you've never even touched on yet. So, you know, a wise coworker of mine used to say, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Just just grab and go and, and see what you can do. You can obviously change it and add it, but uh, that that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys for that one. And what I'd like to add to those, things they're living documents it's not nothing is one and done that we do understood um, that they're living documents so you know an agency will start asking questions or a regulation will change and then we add things so recently to the commitment to excellence drones have become mm. a, so now we have a drone section like how do you get a drone program up and running what forms do you need Got what it. kind of certifications wildfire has been a big issue so now we have it not only for like protecting against wildfire but how do you get your crews through emergency roadblocks 
uh, you know, and how people have done that in the past. How do you harden your facilities mm -hmm. to, you know, so it's like, hey, because other people have suffered losses. Right. I mean, in the state of California, not too long ago, the town of Paradise up in Northern California, that town was burnt to the ground, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. so again, and that affected one of our member water agencies. Understood. So we try to take the lessons learned and make them things that we can move forward. Got it. So, Peter, what are uh, some things that in the industry that uh, people should either start or stop doing? Right? You've you've been around. I I think we've we've talked. You've have uh, I think close to 30, 35 districts that you visit. Uh, you know, casually throughout your month or or your schedule. So, in in a sense, whether it's industry wide or what you see commonly at districts, what exactly should people either start increasing or stop and eliminate off of their programs? So. Uh, a couple of ways I can answer that. One is to follow best practices and don't worry about the regulations. So, I mean, if you're worried about meeting every intent of the regulation, every one of us drives a vehicle. Mm -hmm. We don't meet every regulation that's out there. Got it. But most of us follow best practices. <laughs> we keep a good, safe following distances. We, yep. you know, uh, we keep distances between cars. We signal and everything like that. We can get a ticket at any time. Mm -hmm. It's up to the regulator. And I think a lot of people focus on regulations and being in regulatory compliance right. instead of, um, and I think most of us are judged on our best practices. It's how you appear and how you do it, the ultimate quality when you give out. The other thing is I would tell agencies, and this is at, you know, because I work at all levels, I will meet with a GM and I will meet with a new hire, mm -hmm. all in the same day sometimes, you know, as they go through there. And what they really need to do is embrace their losses. Mm -hmm and not forget the past, but learn from the past and move forward and inf influence the future. A lot of times they're going like, well, nothing's ever gonna change. Um, it's been that way. Uh, Ruben mentioned that he came from private industry. Well, he could have brought all those practices there. That became a great learning experience. Hey, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. We actually, we can affect change. Right. So, you know, one of the things I wish people would do is like look at their losses and say, okay, we have that history. And not only your losses at your individual agency but within the industry because you don't have to actually have the personal experience to realize that you can implement best practices yeah, very good point sure yep before it's too late um what's the biggest challenge that the industry is facing today peter uh, on the uh risk and safety side and i don't think it's just a risk and safety mm -hmm. uh thing i think it's uh, all throughout the industry is experienced professionals i mean it is very tough to find senior people and you know the individuals coming into the industry, whether it's on the operations side um, or the uh, uh, safety side, they're smart people. I mean, they're they're pretty much smarter than I ever was. You know, were coming into this industry, and but the thing is, is it takes a while to season them. You know, they you can't teach it in one class, and that's what everybody wants. Yeah. So I mean, for somebody to really understand and get an idea of what's going on is it takes time and you know well you oriented them you they've been here for two months why aren't they doing full-blown risk assessments right. why aren't they doing it like you it doesn't work that yeah. way i mean i've had 18 years to learn this <laughs> you know it's like a fine wine you know? it's got to age for a while yeah you know? so I, I think that's i think that's true with almost every industry that you know the experience yeah everybody wants it done now yeah everybody wants instant gratification and they don't want to put the work in you know to get to where they ever you know see so my 
have somebody who goes, well, I'm going to do what Peter does. I, I can do that. I, you know, that's what I'm going to pick for a career. But they, a lot of people are not willing to put that time in, right. you know, and, and really learn, you know, what, what it all entails and what they need to do and what they need. And, again, experience, too, time. Time industry is going to put you where you're at. So, yeah, very cool. Most definitely. So, Peter, over the last year, um, could you give – Possibly the biggest problem either you or your team have happened to, you know, come across or or get to, uh, whether it be COVID or constant hazards in the field. Now, what exactly have you guys have to get over at this time? The one I'm, you know, that I think we've solved the best is it was related to COVID, and we were actually nationally recognized through it. There's an organization, Prima the Public Risk Insurance Management Association. Mm -hmm. um, we were nationally recognized for what we came up with as a group or department mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, of a remote ergonomic assessment form. That's great. So we were able to go through there and do it remotely where instead of having to come to an individual, mm -hmm. and again, it's done through a series of questionnaires that we send out. Again, that one-page questionnaire. Right. You know, we, we, you know, we <laughs> Keep it as simple we as possible. Huh? And, and again, yeah. where we gave them options that they could check. So it's not like open-ended questions because, again, a lot you're talking to people and they can't identify it, but they can quickly say, oh, yeah, my back hurts or my shoulder hurts or my elbow hurts or, you know, my chair doesn't feel right. But we'll take care of that. And then send us a picture of that. Mm -hmm. And then between, you know, all the medias that are out there now, Zoom and Teams mm -hmm. and FaceTime, whatever they had, we would set it up so that we would be able to do that. Um, you know, visit a doctor, visit, oh, nice. you know, like okay. we did that. Telemed, we, we, right? Yeah, did, uh, telemed, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we would do those ergonomic assessments. Okay. Well, and so we were nationally recognized for that, which was a big accomplishment for us, especially when you're going up against all these other national risk pools. Mm -hmm. And But the other thing is, is that that grew. Because once we developed that, I would be working with crews, and COVID kept everybody at home. Right. And there was, you know, I couldn't even get sometimes the safety officers at organizations to go out to the field. They go, look, I'm just going to give you my operator's number, and you could call them. Yeah. And I would say, do they have FaceTime? Yeah, right. And they would go, I don't know, I'll check. And sure enough, they they call me back. Yeah, I have FaceTime. I said, good. When you're out there, show it to me. There you and go. they would call me. And then I found out through FaceTime, I mean, you can hit record mm -hmm. and you get a video of it. Or you can say, hey, I need to know what the nameplate of the equipment is mm -hmm. so I can look it up and do some research. Hold your camera still. Move it a little closer. Okay, that's in focus. And I could click a picture. Nice. And then I could do the research and I could get back to them. I see. And I was able to solve a lot of those problems that way. And I, I, I found it to be a great tool. Right. You know, <laughs> and, it, and it's actually helped me because it used to be before COVID, you know, somebody say, well, when are you going to be about here? And they would say, well, maybe I have a visit scheduled in a month or I'll stop by. Mm -hmm. And, um, or when I'm coming back this way, I'll, I'll swing in if you have time and thing. Now it's like, when are you going to be out in the field? We'll, we'll FaceTime it. Yeah, right. You know, it, it, <laughs> Just it, call it, me. And right. it, it, works, it works out <laughs> extremely well. Uh, That's great. <laughs> Peter, what does your typical day look like, if any? Well, <laughs> man, there is no typical day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this job, uh, I'll give you kind of like a typical week. Yeah. Okay, so Mondays and Fridays are dedicated to office days. Mm -hmm. So Mondays, I told you before that we do our toolbox. Uh, we do our toolbox meeting, and that allows our department, because we're all remote, to connect. So we talk about where we've been that the past week and where we're going the next week. And that brings up issues. So somebody might say, oh, I'm dealing, I'm going to go to this agency, and they have this issue and everything. And all of a sudden, they get input from three other risk consultants. Hey, I just had that. Or let me... F 
Let me know what you find out mm -hmm. because I have an agency that's facing the same issue. So it allows us to connect and share as we go through there. And then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're usually in the field. Okay. So um, we try to prep for those days. So Monday afternoon, we'll prep. Friday, when we get back, we do have, just like with any job, we do have paperwork. <laughs> so we do have to write reports, and we have to write letters, and we have to put items into the database. So Fridays are usually the office day yeah. where you get all your paperwork done, you return your emails, phone calls, you catch up. So when you start the next week, you're starting the next week fresh. We try to, and that was something that was taught to me early in my yeah. career by a manager is like, do not carry things over. Yeah. Because if you carry things over, they will hold you down. Yeah. It's cascading, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to clear your desk, man. You empty that box. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny. I, I, I do the same on my Fridays. I, I close that door if I need to, and <laughs> I try to close out the week, you know, strong, and that, that way I don't have anything lingering, you know, come Monday. So, yeah. yeah. Fresh start. So, Peter, what do you see in the future for the safety uh, field or, or industry? Will there be any technology that can possibly improve safety or behaviors for uh, staff out there? There is so much technology that's coming. Excellent. Um, you know, there's going to be more tech and less paper. And that's already happening. Mm -hmm. You're starting to see the apps and the software, mm -hmm. um, programs like Jot Forms, you mm -hmm. know, where operators will come up with instant forms. I mean, you can buy software, mm -hmm. but I really find it exciting when the agencies develop their own. They have so much young talent that are computer savvy, mm -hmm. and they go, "We can make a form for that. We can, <laughs> we can, we can create that," yeah. um, and they do it. And they they take the, like they show me that form, and the next thing they they're sending me a sample like hey can you double check my work to make right. sure I captured everything <laughs> and they become fillable and then I get the questions you know well does um, does Cal OSHA accept the electronic record mm -hmm. and I go yes they do as long as you can save it so I was just recently talked to a member who had come up with a form mm -hmm. but they were having a software challenge where they could record it in the field but it wouldn't save back to the office. So they had it while they were in the field, but uh, it, and I said, you're gonna have to fix that problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is something that you're gonna have to fix. And well, this is, and I said, you know, the free app isn't always the best app. Ain't that the you truth, know, right? Or, 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 you know, sometimes there's apps, and, they, and they, they give you an appetite for it. And, but then if you really wanted to do something, you gotta pay them the $7 no, a month. Right, right, yeah, so, exactly. So I said, you know, look at the option. I'm sure there's a way you can save it. You just have to do it. But even, um, even the regulators have have, uh, come up with it. So NIOSH, mm -hmm. you know, they have the heat index app. They have, uh, we go to our phones, our smartphones, yes. and now we have the smoke, you know, the wildfire smoke, and it's all related to air quality. You open up the map or the weather app on your iPhone, and down in the lower corner, it will tell you what the air quality index it's is. True. Yeah. You know, and so the thing is, people go, well, how am I ever going to monitor that? It's like, pull out your phone, I'll show you where it is. Yes. Some people just go like, oh, that's it's quick, it. right? And, and yeah. they go, well, how do I document it? I go, you see these two buttons here? Push those two buttons. It takes a screenshot. That screenshot has the date and time on it. And so, you know, as a supervisor in the field, and they're going like, that's all I have to do? I go, you save those pictures, and you, you know, when they say, well, how do you know your crews were, were under the exposure limit? Right. 
you know? And I said, it you is. do that three times a day, you know, when there's a wildfire in the area, you're, you're under 151, you don't you have go. to give them that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's going back to your best practices, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, you don't have to go through the standard and read it word for word if you have best practices mm -hmm. that can, you know, dictate what the district does or what your employer yeah. decides to move with, right? Yeah. So, great. Uh, so, Peter, what do you enjoy about working at Aqua JPIA? Uh, by far, the people, uh, mm -hmm. both internally and externally. We develop long-term relationships. Um, our longevity in our organization, I think, is 12 years plus. Mm -hmm. So um, people do not, um, you know, come here and, and leave. They, they spend their careers here. A lot of them will say when they come to Aqua JPIA, you know, I found them too late. You know, it, it's, you know, I mean, I am really amazed when I go to agencies. And I was just at a class yesterday, and there was a gentleman there. And he goes, like, he just, he said, he'd been there 30 years at his agency and i'm going like wow when are you going to retire he goes like i still can't i have to retire at 55 i just turned 49. wow you know because he hired in wow. at 19. yeah you know he hired in at 19 that and he's got amazing. 30 years you know yeah. Yeah. he's going like i can't retire for six more years <laughs> <laughs> right. just me. He's, he's counting down yeah. i'm sure right yeah. but. <laughs> but 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 it, but you you develop those long-term relationships um, and they see you as family. I get invited to a lot of agencies where they're having, um, they go like, can you come? You know, they're having an event, they're having a staff event, and they're going like, we want you to come. I'm going like, and they're going like, no, no, really, they, it's not me I'm asking, our crews want you to come. <laughs> you know, and so they really, they really want us to be part of their team, yeah. and, they, and we've broken down those barriers. It's been great. Yeah, it's good. Cool, yeah. So, Peter, as a seasoned veteran in the uh, safety industry or the safety field, right, uh, for anybody trying to get into the to the industry, whether they're coming out of college or they're looking for a career change, what do you recommend for them to get started? Crawl, walk, run. Um, you need to take time to listen and learn and watch. Um, don't jump to conclusions. Um, I've learned the most about the water and wastewater industry by when something comes up in a class. And a lot of our classes are half-day classes. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes even when we double back on them, we still have a break at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And the agencies will, and I'll say, you know, hey, in between the class or after, can we go look at that? Mm -hmm. and, and so we go out there and look at it, and then we find out what their hurdles are. Mm -hmm. And somebody's told them why they couldn't do that. And then we kind of explain what the regulations say and what the intent of the regulation. And we're able to show them that they are able to uh, overcome their challenges that they have. Perfect. So it, it, it really helps it, you know, so they really just have to start slow. You have to be aware of the regulations, uh, understand what the intent is, and understand that those regulations are really not written by or for practitioners. Got it. Um, one thing I learned from the air quality people, and again, I talked about the professional development in the past and what they allow us to attend. You know, there's a lot of air quality regulations, and that doesn't really fall on my expertise, but one of the districts was having a industry meeting there, and it combined with a visit, so they said, why don't you come in and sit in mm -hmm. on the meeting? And the regulator who was there basically said, you know, part of the problem because they were all complaining about the air quality and what kind of parts they can use on their generators and their trucks and because they all have to use manufactured parts and they're so expensive and there's aftermarket parts that are just as efficient. Mm -hmm. And you know, he basically put it back on them and said, you know, we have these public hearings, we get no input from you. 
we get inputs from the manufacturers and they're the ones driving the regulation mm -hmm. so you know I actually I try to get through uh, again WISMA mm -hmm. the Water Utility Safety Managers Association get people to put input you know we we have the right to say things and why it should or shouldn't affect our industry otherwise everybody just you know an, another regulation to comply with understood so Peter what do you wish everyone understood about your job just to ask we're a resource um, we uh, we don't judge I go out of my way not to judge um, I make sure that I basically I would rather have them ask and once you break down that barrier you're starting to solve problems and they get to have their input and everything counts mm -hmm. you know you have to hear it from um, I was training a class yesterday and it had the 30 year old veteran mm -hmm. and had somebody there who had been there for three months yeah. and you know we were talking about the the practicalities of it and i asked the young man and i said you know if somebody told you to drive the dump truck back to the yard would you do it and he goes yeah of course i would i go are you a commercial driver and he goes no and i go so why would you do it and he goes because they told me to <laughs> and i said you know so you really have to think about it and i told the supervisors in the class you put these people in really precarious positions and you put a lot of liability on your district right. by because they're never going to tell you no I mean, especially if they're on probation right well, even if i mean what do we all want to do we all want to please our boss right we don't want to tell people no is not a normal answer for people so when you ask people hey can you get it done you want them to you know and then think when people come back into the from the field or from the well, did you get it done safe or did you get it done you know, did you run into any problems? Do they know the time that it takes? Mm -hmm. So one thing that's very frustrating sometimes is that the managers and that put people out there, they really haven't done the job. They haven't spent the time in the field. So you're asking somebody to climb a tank. Mm -hmm. What does it take to put on a harness? What does it take to hook up? What does it take to go up and make that transition and then do the inspection and come back down? Right. I mean, that just the, the, the time to put it on is longer than the task. Right. The same thing going into a confined space. The preparation and the takedown is longer than the task a lot of times. Correct. But they don't, they don't put that into the cycle of time. Mm -hmm. And they basically say, well, why aren't you getting more done? And after a while, you know, Experience teaches them that, you know what, I've been setting this stuff up, nothing ever bad has happened, they don't do it a couple times, yeah. nothing bad happens, and all of a sudden you got a career of people doing it bad, and then something bad happens. So, you know, I just wish that people would, you know, um, you know think of us as problem solvers, mm -hmm. as solution providers, and just having them look at it a different way. Yeah. That's a very good point. Is there anything else that you would like to add, or is there a question that you would have liked to been asked? You guys are very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> I think very that's all coming from uh, Mr. Marilla over here. Yeah. yeah. Again, we felt that you know any information that you can divulge would be you know great you know for the listeners you know so definitely. Well, that concludes that uh, set, that portion of uh, what's the scoop. Uh, Peter, we're going to get into this next uh, uh, segment of questioning. It's called the Inside Scoop, where we're a little bit more magnifying uh, questions, uh, more about yourself, and um, a little bit more lighthearted. So with that being said, John, you want to kick this off? Most definitely. So what is one of the best things you look forward to hearing while at work? Um, hey, Peter, <laughs> I have something I want you to 
See, or I have somebody I want you to meet. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. <laughs> Those conversations yeah. can go anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is one of the your least favorite things that you don't like, look forward to uh, hearing at work? Rick died. You know, um, safety is a serious business, and sometimes there are serious consequences. Um, in my career, for the last 18 years, I've dealt with three fatalities, uh, people who I knew. Yeah. Some of them as young as 26, uh, and it didn't have to happen. Yeah. So, you know, it's like we had to transport somebody, somebody's in the hospital, um, or I see somebody in training, and um, or I come back to a district, and they are, you know, they're permanently affected by what happened at work. So, you know, when um, I don't like hearing or seeing any of that, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it can be prevented. You know, it, it, a simple thing would have taken care of it. Yeah. So along those lines, Peter, what would be your, your biggest pet peeve when it comes to working? Um, I'm going to tell you it's disrespect of people. Mm-hmm. And this is um, at all levels. And, you know, because people, whether they like it or not, they profile you. Mm-hmm. Um, they see me as a safety guy. Oh, you're going to find something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how they view the safety guy. Um, oh, you're a police officer. You're going to give me a ticket. You're going to arrest me and take me away. <laughs> um, so the thing is, is I, I, you know, give everybody the benefit of the doubt and judge them as an individual um, on the personal level based on that interaction. Just because they might be a new hire or 30-year, mm-hmm. they might be a manager or a utility one, they all have value and input, um, and they should be respected for that. Peter, do you have a daily ritual that is necessary for you to begin your day? After 60-plus years, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually am a, as a, I am a practitioner of Tai Chi. Um, I've had two hip replacements, both my left and my right. Um, And so one thing they told me after I did my hip replacements is that you were going to stretch every day. And normal stretching is pretty boring. Mm -hmm. So I picked up Tai Chi. Um, And I also find it's kind of like meditation and movement. So it's a very good way to start the day. Um, Probably five days out of the week I walk probably at least four miles, if not more, to start my day. And, you know, right now in the summertime, it's great because it gets light really early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. And, it, and it's cool, so I can do that. <laughs> and then I think what everybody has to do is that then it, you kick it off with coffee. Yeah. Excellent. So when you're having a bad day, what is one thing that, that you do to make it better? Um, getting back to that Tai Chi and uh, looking for that meditation is um, look for the simple beauty in life. You know, and, you know, count your blessings. Mm -hmm. So as I look around, no matter how bad my day is, um, I travel a lot Mm -hmm. and I get to see a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. Um, I just basically reminds me that, you know what, I have it pretty good, man. And whatever's (laughs) going on, um, you know, and, you know, again, 60 plus years, I've seen a lot of things. And I know a lot of it is, you know, hey, it's it's tough to deal with, but you're going to get over it. Okay. Nice. And back to your Tai Chi real quick, Peter. Where do you practice it at? 
on the patio? Do you have a dedicated room in the garage? Where, where, do, you, where do you practice Tai Chi? Well, if I'm pushing my cart, pushing the grocery cart with my wife at Trader Joe's, yeah. I'll do it while I'm waiting for her to pick something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so you, that could be you, a while then. But, huh? but you, can, you, can, you can do it anywhere. Okay. I mean, you, can, right. you can basically do anywhere. So it's just simple moments. But I actually have set up my backyard. Nice. So I kind of have a little place, of, a peaceful place in my backyard where I do it. Okay. But, you know, in, you know if it's raining or the weather's bad or something, <laughs> my living room, anywhere you can do it. As long nice. as you have a quiet, peaceful place. You okay. Know. All right, cool. Well, now, John, if you're asking because you're interested, I want this to be a safe haven for you to come. You know, I've got the, uh, the, the bonsai is here, huh? Okay. And you're welcome to come on into Studio 24-7 and help yourself. <laughs> the you know? Scoop Studio yeah. doubles as a there Tai Chi studio as well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. I can always FaceTime yeah. Peter, right? And we can do it together, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We can do it remotely, man. Yeah. We have FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. You know, we talk about all those apps and everything. Yeah. There's uh, one called... Uh, Tai Chi, five minutes a day. Excellent. Yeah, okay. Know. All right. <laughs> Peter, what is an accomplishment that you are most proud of? You know, I have to say that being married for 40 years to my wife, Stephanie, okay. um, we just did that in May. Um, and Congratulations, by the way. Well done. Uh, it's almost you know, unheard of, yeah. you know, these days. So you know, it's, it's funny. You would think that, but as you talk to people about yeah. it, it's kind of like when you tell somebody, like, you have a vulnerability or you share, yeah. all of a sudden you find out that, there's a lot of people who you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We're all going through it sometimes. And, and, and huh? So and then, um, of course, my four children. Yeah. You know, my four children. I mean, they're they're blessings. And you know, <laughs> and again, you talk about where do you go? I go back to those blessings and say, you know, hey. And so when I go home, and um, you know, I know I'm gonna walk in that door. <laughs> no, how no matter how bad my day was. It's going to instantly be better, even if it's just the dog licking you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. At least someone's happy yeah. to see you, huh? <laughs> exactly. Somebody's going to be happy. Right. <laughs> Excellent. What personality trait that that possesses? Excuse me. What personality trait that you possess has gotten you into the most trouble? Um, I can be unfiltered and brutally honest at really? times. Really? Okay. Know, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> I have been known to engage my tongue before putting my brain into action. Uh, I will say things. I've trained myself over the years not to be inappropriate. Okay. But, you know, sometimes I just make, you know, somebody will ask a question, and it might be one of those questions that, like, I can't believe you're really asking that question. You can't say that was a dumb question. <laughs> but I remember in this asbestos class once that uh, somebody said, well, how do we know it's asbestos? And I just looked at the guy. And I said, everybody knows what asbestos looks like. It looks like peppermint, and it tastes like chocolate. And then I continued with the class. I just started. Didn't skip a beat, huh? And, 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 and then one of the other workers quickly said, "Hey, hey, hey! You got to go back." He believes you. <laughs> he, he believes you. He's gonna be licking the asbestos. Yeah, right. Here we go, right? Yeah, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Peter told me I could lick it, right? <laughs> and so you realize that you, you know, you you've got to be very careful because you kind of do have a position of authority mm -hmm. and so sometimes you can say things to people and then if you add a regulation to it it may not even be the right regulation right. but it'd be hey according to cal osha 1541 <laughs> you know people will go like oh man he knows what he's talking yeah, about yeah right <laughs> so, so you, you know being unfiltered and sometimes you know being brutally honest so. uh, <laughs> we'll get you into trouble then understood <laughs> so peter as, an, as a child what did you wish to become as an adult well um i actually started out my career i wanted to go into law enforcement 
enforcement and ultimately become a lawyer. And uh, after college, I actually spent one year in law school and realized I did not want to be a lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> sometimes that's what it takes, though, right? Um, but that was a great experience, though, mm -hmm. because it. Um, I work with attorneys and I work with laws and I work with regulations. So I'm not one, but it gave me a good basis because your first year in law school, you learn the basics you know, about you know, how everything works. So mm -hmm. it, it was, it's been very valuable for me in my career. Yeah. All right. Very cool. So out of the course of your, your, whether it's many jobs or many careers, however you want to look at it, Peter, which one has been your least favorite to date? My very first one. Okay. Um, I've been working for over 45 years. Yeah. And when we turned 16, you know, your parents say, hey, you know what? <laughs> you drive in a car, you yeah. got to pay for insurance, you got to put gas in it, you have to find a job, you know? Um, I was a fry cook at Kentucky Fried Chicken oh, for nice. two weeks. Nice. <laughs> no, okay. it, was awful. it was awful. It was my worst favorite job. And it, it, it actually became a great opportunity because the thing is, is I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do. Uh, it wasn't going to be in that hot kitchen. Now, if I was going to be hot and sweaty, I was going to be outside working in construction. Makes sense. Making better money. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And, so it turned, you, and it turned out just well for me. You didn't yeah. like the glisten of the oil on your skin after a long Long days worth of work, no, Peter. Not at all. <laughs> and I didn't even like all the free chicken. <laughs> yeah, right. Couldn't pay you enough. Huh? Yeah. Understood, man. <laughs> so, who's been your most favorite or best mentor throughout your career? Well, I've had so many. Um, going back to construction, I worked with a gentleman by the name of John Hossel, and he's the one who um, pretty much taught me that you can ask any question, you can bring him any problem, as long as you bring a solution with it may not be the ultimate solution but you just couldn't dump on him yeah so he basically said hey you can explore which made you like when you had a problem started making and saying okay what what's behind the problem or what is it yeah. and uh he was always really helpful that way um and that way um harv labounty at the jpi when i first started he was the risk control director and he was the one who moved from uh compliance to consulting he was the he had taken over the job probably about two years before and he had been a risk advisor um, at the jpi before he became a director and uh, he, he he saw the impact that what we were doing to the member agencies and how we were not welcomed and we could be a lot better professional and uh, taught me how to manage my time that tuesday friday uh, always provide a benefit mm -hmm. uh, slow down listen uh, you don't have to be the know-it-all. Uh, and he also started things like the risk control manual. Uh, he started, um, he was the foundation for the safety awards. We named the safety awards after him. I was you know, the, actually going to point that out, actually. You just taught me something, Peter. I didn't know that it was actually named out of an individual who worked at Aqua. Okay, thank you. And just a real interesting story. Mm -hmm. um, probably about two months ago, I got a call from Harf. You know, and he retired 12 years ago. So... <laughs> He calls me up and he says, Peter, I have to thank you. And I'm going like, for what? And he goes like, you made me immortal, at least temporarily. And I'm going like, well, what do you mean I made you immortal? Well, when he retired at the time, you know, we wanted, it was just called the JPI Safety Award. Okay. And we said, hey, Harv's retiring. He was the one who really like gave us the idea and started to run with it. We should name it after Harv. And of course, management at the time was saying, well, we don't name anything after an individual, you know, <laughs> tank right. sites, well sites, you know, you yeah. know how it goes <laughs> yeah. in the water industry. Everybody has somebody's name on it. Where does it stop? Yeah. So they said, no, no. And we, we kept pushing and pushing and pushing. He goes, I was at a, f 
uh, a good friend's retirement party from an agency. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, we're going around round tables. It was after COVID, all socially distanced, but they had everybody get up and say what your name was and where you were from. And so Harv said he stood up and he goes, I'm Harv Labounty. I used to be with Aqua JPI. <laughs> He hears from across the room, no friggin' way! You're hard! You're right. hard! Right. Yeah. My guys love you! And the guy runs over to him, like gives him a hug. Harp's going, like, get away from me. Yeah, I don't know who you are. In the middle of a pandemic, yeah, leave me alone. Yeah. He said about six people from different agencies came up and took their pictures. Finally clicked, huh? Okay, wow. Like, yeah. Kind of like what you were saying. It's Most naked. definitely, yeah. So, so Harp wants me to spread the word he's still alive and well. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Um, that's excellent. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I mean, you asked me who my mentors are. I'm going to tell you right now that, you know, and, and I'm serious about this, is the people I work with currently at the agencies mm -hmm. and the Inland Valley, um, Inland Empire right here that I work with, um, going from Western to Rancho, um, you guys have the rock stars. I mean, you've got James Chapman at Western, you've got Tom Marcou at Rancho, and you got John Moore here at <laughs> Elsinore. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to here, they, they are a triple threat. Yeah. And so they teach me things all the time. Yeah. And they also make me realize that, hey, you know what, you provide a valuable service. Because yeah. they call me, um, I call them. You know, and I get things back from them because I have problems with other agencies and I know they've dealt with this before. Yeah. And how do you get this through? Because, like I said, it's not one and done. I don't know it all. I just know where the resources are. Yeah. And they help me so much. Yep. Well, I appreciate that, Peter. Thank you. I'll pay you later, okay? No problem. <laughs> so what what is actually one of the best pieces of advice that you've received throughout your career or in your personal life that has impacted you? Um, another uh, manager, uh, co-worker that I worked with, uh, John Hoff, and um, you know he used to always say that people don't care what you know, they want to know that you care. And you know, and once, once they know that you care and you've got their best interests at heart, uh, there's going to be a relationship. It's a very know? good point. So, I mean, I would tell you that was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, that, you know, you, that people want to know that you care. Uh, what is the most important lesson you've learned? That sometimes, you know, people make really simple mistakes and it can cost them their lives. Um, it can, you know, and no matter what I do, it's not going to be perfect no matter what they do so it's all about putting doing a risk analysis and putting the odds in our favor yeah. you know so are we doing it you know i mean can we hope for that 90 percent um, because everything can change tomorrow but why put things in our way or do things that are going to increase those chances of failure yeah you know, it's, it's so i think that's that sums it up yeah that's really good Thanks for sharing that. And again, Peter, thanks for uh, your time today, and I uh, really appreciate you doing this for us. Again, like I said, you know, having a giant like you on the show is, mean, means a lot. So, again, thank you very much. Yeah. And again, for everything else that you contribute to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so. Elsinore Valley wouldn't be the same without you, Peter. So, we appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you. I wouldn't be the same without Elsinore Valley. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Until next time.